So in this macro-divergent post-zero interest rate policy world, currencies are interesting again. And managed futures strategies are really well-placed to harvest opportunities that arise in currency markets. In fact, the, the proverbial currency phoenix has actually risen from the ZERP ashes. What we're about to sort of discuss here a bit more is really show the how the macro landscape has become increasingly dynamic, divergent. We've got dispersion everywhere, you know, whether you're looking at interest rates, uh, growth and inflation outlook across geographies, economies. The outlook for central banks has become increasingly uncertain and uh, varying. And of course, we're still living under a, an increasingly um, challenging deglobalization and significant geopolitical risk. So with that sort of background, currency markets have woken up from their slumber and managed future strategies are really well-placed to navigate such a divergent macro landscape by virtue of being directionally agnostic, tactical. So we will show how a strategy like this can be adaptive to the environment, agile and resilient, but also by trading significant allocations to currency markets, we have the ability to introduce this additional return stream to portfolios in a way that generates significant positive skewness over the long term. And so without sort of further ado, we can now go into a bit more detail and expand on the analysis that we propose. I'm going to try and, and sort of highlight to you the results of two papers that we've recently put forward on this topic. The first one deals with the structural change we've seen in markets coming off the zero interest rate regime. And we've taken our strategy, we've taken a, a managed future strategy all the way back to 1970s. The graphic here illustrates that uh, endeavor, the size of the bubble is proportional to the return in that particular year. So the bigger the bubble, the bigger the return. And superimposed, we, we look at the various decades. And what's really striking here is if we scan broadly across these, um, these periods, you know, the 70s, very stagflationary, a lot of crises back then. We had two oil crises. We moved into the 80s, where we're sort of in the aftermath of, of high inflation with the Fulker uh, rate hikes moving on to a, a real period of massive wealth creation, leading up into a sort of Japanese uh, asset bubble, which then bursts in the 90s together with the collapse of the USSR. We've got the sort of first Gulf War, several crises like tequila crisis, Asian crisis, LTCM. Fast forward to the 2000s, we're looking at accounting scandals, tech wreck, 9-11, second Gulf War, and the great financial crisis. And throughout all these macro regimes, some inflationary, some deflationary, some stagflationary, managed futures trend strategies have been very adaptive and resilient to those conditions. And so then I draw your attention to the right-hand side of this chart, where we see a period of suppressed conditions. So the 2010s, 
is a decade that best is described as the QE era, where we had zero interest rate policies across the major economies. And as we come out of that era, we can see a resurgence of macro trading strategies. And in particular, the sort of one of the asset classes that is front and center at the moment, the most liquid asset class, the $6.6 trillion volume a day asset class currencies have actually come back to the fore. The way to visualize that is by looking at, if, if we think about the main drivers of currency alpha generation across G10 EM currencies, you know, trend and, and term structure carry-like models pretty much capture the, the range of uh, strategies that, that operate well in currencies. And we've selected the, the timeframes here into three distinct periods. You've got the pre-GFC, pre-zero interest rate era, so pre-Lehman Brothers, the period of time when we had interest rates close to zero or very, very well managed and, and, and held um, on the floor by central banks right up until the end of 2021, when we saw huge liftoff. And in this chart, the area bar really, the area shows us rolling returns for these strategies. And there's a distinct regime shift between preserve the near zero returns generated during almost an entire decade, and actually a huge resurgence of both trend and carry strategies. So that really highlights how, what a structural change we've actually been through and how this, this strategy is able to once again benefit in these markets. To look at some of the drivers behind that dispersion, first you look at interest rates. On the left, you've got the dispersion of interest rates in the G10 economies. Again, we've got the same periods, pre-Lehman Brothers um, being the pre-ZERP period. The um, red bar is the ZERP. And we then have the um, opening up the liftoff in rates that's occurred in 21, 22, and this year. Very distinct periods. You've got a time series of that in, uh, on the chart on the right to highlight how that uh, environment has, has significantly opened up after a period of, of suppressed conditions. Another thing that you can sort of look at is, is really the you know, central bank divergence. They've, you know, it's not just the, the G10, the EMs are moving as well. The, the, the two graphics here on the left is not just the intensity of the hikes we've had of late. Um, by, by contrast, EMs hiked early. And if anything, now they're holding pat and, and maybe easing a little bit with China trying to address its slowdown. So there is big divergence across the major economies. And uh, if we zoom in a bit on the major sort of the, the major four, US, Eurozone, China and Japan, very, very different uh, places in terms of where they are with the interest rate policy. And indeed, on the right hand side, you can see the specific inflation uh, paths. Uh, an interesting saying that I've, I've, I've really liked in the past is, is people explaining how inflation goes up like a rocket and comes down like a feather. So the, the um, 
the impulse shock of inflation really galvanized and, and, and caused central banks to react. How we actually come off this, this, this event is a very, very uh, dispersed range of outlooks. And, and based on that, we have um, you know, currency markets have reacted accordingly. Growth rates, again, are massively different in this era than they were in the ZERP period. So here we've got three different return distributions sort of for, for GDP, for the G10 countries. The bars represent a much, much wider range of GDP growth. As we come out of this pandemic crash inflation and as interest rates lift, we have a much wider range of um, expectations for growth across the major economies. All these things point to a very dynamic environment. Inflation can be seen through another lens. We're looking at how well controlled we saw and how well anchored it was for such a long time. And you know, at the moment, this, this, this chart highlights the, the corridor of, of the range between inflation just across the G10s. Remember, these are the, the economies that have, you know, that account for over 90% of the currency volumes globally. That dispersion we're seeing now again, a common word, is increasingly divergent and the paths are different by region. Another proxy, another way to think about this is, you know, you can look at short-term interest rate volatility. So you're looking at three-month rates, you're looking how noisy they are, and that's a pretty good proxy for how well anchored central bank forward guidance is. So the more noisier the outlook, the more volatility in the three-month rates, the less certain we are about the future paths of rates. And we can see how uh, well-controlled and well-anchored forward guidance was in the sort of the, the, the last 10 years or so. And we're now sort of going back to levels that we've seen pre-GFC, again, a period that was very dynamic and very fruitful for currency trading. And so it is really for that for that reason that that we can really um, talk about this mythical currency phoenix that's risen from from the ashes, and and the way to sort of visualize that without uh, sort of too much drama, but actually looking into the numbers. The idea here is by doing by capturing the breadth of opportunities. The way to forecast currency markets, the biggest driver of returns from currency markets happens from momentum and from term structure differentials. So trend and carry type models. We've been doing this for a long time, so we've got some good, good insight into how to do these things well. But ultimately, even a good model requires the environment to be appropriate for it. And what we see is a very distinct regime change between the previous 10 years when there were sporadic bursts of maybe trend, maybe some carry information being um, uh, present in, across currency markets. This chart looks across the G10 plus the most liquid EMFX pairs. It does it in a globally optimal way. And you're trying to basically see how much alpha you could harvest across the cross-section of currency markets. The picture should be self-evident in terms of 
you know, normally when the environment is divergent, it's dynamic, we have a range of expectations on interest rates, on macroeconomic policies, there is enough cross-sectional information for currency markets to provide a rich source of opportunities. That is the sort of environment we are currently finding ourselves in. And the key is to be able to have strategies or allocations in one's portfolios that can be opportunistically exposed to this environment and be able to harvest this in a liquid way, in a repeatable way, and in a scalable way. Because ultimately, we want to be able to um, monetize this opportunity into actual PL rather than just diversifying returns in an abstract sense. And the sort of a final way of looking at this is by thinking about success rate or hit rates. So here, what we're looking at is across the markets we trade. So looking at the G10 and the EM currencies, we are assessing, we're looking at a hit rate here. And this hit rate is effectively uh, a count of how many markets in your universe are displaying um, sharp ratios of north of two over a rolling one-year period. So you can see that you know there are during the pre-ZERP era, there were pockets of really significant good both trend and carry success rate periods. A much, much, much depleted environment during the ZERP when, when financial repression kept the range of opportunities well, well uh, anchored. And now we've sort of seen this burst of, of dynamism across not just the DM, but the EM currencies as well. And if you think about it, what, what, why is that interesting? You know, we've, you know, we've been doing this for a long time. We've got empirical evidence behind it. Uh, here's a sort of an illustration of maybe uh, sort of 25 years of doing um, managed futures on multiple asset classes in red, it's currencies. So here we can sort of see each of these annual things being um, representative of the calendar year and what's been the drivers of, of performance back then. It's not hard to see on the extreme right-hand side, the last two years, the red bars are back. So the, 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 the currency returns, a very liquid asset class, a very diversifying asset class is once again in the mix and is really a relevant driver of returns, not just diversification in a portfolio, multi-asset portfolio. So the original sort of thesis was that we're in a macro-divergent environment. We've had rates lifting off from zero interest rates everywhere, and currencies are the asset class that have woken up from their slumber. The way to access this opportunity is through a you know, systematic approach. Managed futures is one of these strategies that has the ability to access this dynamic environment in a way that is tactical. So, you know, when the opportunities are there, the strategy is able to deploy risk. Um, the strategy, again, is directionally agnostic. So you don't have to have a predefined uh, view of which way the markets are going, but rather tactically explore the range of opportunities. And by virtue of having a highly liquid strategy that operates with material risk and potential allocation to currency markets, 
managed futures is really well placed to navigate this divergent macro landscape. So in summary, given this macro divergent background, there's a call to action really. You know, you can't, you can't do everything, but you could do something. And if there's one thing you should be doing, and hopefully I've, I've demonstrated enough evidence that currency markets should be back at the forefront of an allocator's mind, it's a highly liquid asset class. It's an opportunistic asset class that captures this divergence. And the way to do it in an efficient, clean way could be via a systematic managed future strategy. But nevertheless, if you do one thing is keep currencies at the front and center of your asset allocation decision.